Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of Biology Beyond the Microscope. My name is Katherine Gamewell. If you don't know already, this is a series where you will hear from different professors who will share their experiences as a professor and discuss what inspired them to pursue research in their fields. Today we are talking with Dr. Gerald LeBlanc. Dr. LeBlanc is a professor in the Department of Biological Sciences here at NC State University. He earned his PhD at the University of South Florida and his postdoctoral at Harvard Medical School. He is interested in research topics relating to endocrine toxicology, mixtures toxicology, and environmental signaling. All right, so we'll just start with the first question. Uh, What led you to want to become a professor? Well, I began my career working in a contract lab. It was a a lab where we were uh, evaluating chemicals for their safety, things like soaps, insecticides, and such. And uh, it being my first job out of school, I thought it was like the greatest job that I could ever have. But after a few years, I realized that uh, sort of being intellectually stifled, that I couldn't do the research I wanted to do. I had to do the research that the people who were contracting me to do, uh, what they were interested in. And so I realized that if I wanted uh, that intellectual freedom to do the kind of research that I wanted to do, I would need to go into academia. And it was at that time that I left my job. I went back to school, got my PhD, and uh, ultimately ended up here at State, and that was 30 years ago. Wow, that's awesome. Um, So could you tell me and our audience more specifically what toxicologists do? Sure. Uh, A toxicologist primarily, basically, is a a scientist who's interested in um, understanding and characterizing the toxic properties of chemicals, uh, evaluating their safety. Uh, I consider myself an environmental endocrine toxicologist, And so I stems from two interests that I've had that I've developed over the years, the first one being toxicology. And I got that interest from that initial job in the contract lab. And then in my postdoctoral studies, I was studying the interactions that occurred between anti-cancer drugs and the endocrine system. And so there I became familiar with the endocrine system and became fascinated with the endocrine system. And so when I started here, at State, I, I decided to merge those two interests and, and study how environmental chemicals can have adverse impacts on the endocrine system. Hmm. Yeah. So is that what your, your current research is? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. Could you tell us more specifically, like maybe what chemicals you're looking into? And um, It really varies. We don't, we don't really say... We don't base our research on a chemical per se. Okay, okay. Uh, more, it's it might be on trying to understand a process. It may be that reports have emerged that a given chemical in the environment might interfere with, say, reproduction in, in uh, wildlife species. And if that's the case, then we'll think about what the culprit might be based upon what information is available in the literature. And then we'll see to determine whether there really is a relationship between this particular chemical and the disruptions that have been observed in the in nature. 
Our research typically involves characterizing the toxicity that a chemical might have on endocrine-related processes, so typically growth, development, reproduction. Uh, interested in understanding the concentrations, the exposure concentrations at which these effects occur. And uh, lastly, trying to understand at the molecular level specifically how these chemicals are interacting with molecules in the body to cause these effects. Very, very interesting. So you said earlier how when you left your first job and you came to work in academia, uh, you said that you wanted to pursue your own research. Mm -hmm. And what was the first thing you decided to pursue? At that point in time? Mm -hmm. It was it was what I just said. Okay, um, okay. That when I came here, I wanted to be I wanted to do something novel in, in the sense that I didn't want to just continue the research that I was doing during my postdoctoral training. Um, I didn't want to be a clone of my mentor, <laughs> um, and I had interest in environmental toxicology that stemmed way back to the beginning of my career. So I decided when I came here that I was going to try and merge those two disciplines. You know. Uh, study environmental chemicals uh, as they relate to effects on endocrine processes. Would you say that's a very common field now? Back or then it wasn't. Then? Yeah. Uh, in fact, back then, the uh, first thing I did was I went to Hill Library here uh, to see you know, what books I could find that would help educate me on <laughs> endocrine toxicology. And there was in the whole library, there was one book and uh, it wasn't a textbook per se. It was just the proceedings of a meeting that was held. Wow. Um, so at that point in time, it was very, very new. Uh, as it turned out, it exploded after I became involved. There was, it was just, uh, just a tremendous emergence of interest um, because of observations that were being made in the environment uh, due to the activities of some very vocal scientists who were <laughs> sort of pushing the science. And when you think, when you talk about things like environmental chemicals uh, causing feminization or demasculinization or uh, impaired sexual response, it gets the attention of the general public as well. So uh, there was just a lot of pressure to generate information. And the reality was that at that point in time, the approaches that we were using to evaluate the toxicity of chemicals really ignored that whole arena of endocrine toxicology. And so it was an awakening, uh, it was a recognition that this is a very important system and chemicals can interfere with it, its function. Mm -hmm. And we need to know about that before these chemicals end up in the market. Yeah, absolutely. So um, changing gears a little bit here, we're going to move on to our next question, which is what does a day in your job look like here at NC State? Well... That depends on the day, it depends <laughs> on the semester, uh, but uh, let's think about what a generic day would be. Uh, it, it starts to basically with communications. So I come in, I fire up my computer, I get on my email, and I uh, respond to email queries that I've received, communications from colleagues. Uh, I send out queries. So that takes a bit of time, and by the time I've completed all of that, people who are working in my lab have arrived, they've settled in, so then I go into the lab and I meet with individuals in the lab to discuss um, their activities, problems they might be having in their research, what their plans for the day are. It, it helps them to stay on track and to be productive, and it helps me to know what's going on in the lab. 
Then it's back to the office, and uh, on a generic day, these days, uh, most of my time is spent writing. So I might be writing manuscripts that are describing the results of our research. I'm working on a book. I might spend time working on that. I might be writing grant proposals to try and keep the research going, to keep it funded. Uh, I might be writing lecture notes for a lecture that's coming up, or I might be writing uh, a, a, a present for a presentation that I'll be making at a scientific meeting. Uh, those types of activities, some, some blend of those activities uh, will take place. But then given the day uh, or the semester, um, I'm going to be spending some time on some days in the classroom teaching. I'm going to be spending some time on some days at faculty meetings or at meetings uh, on the advisory committee of graduate students, those kinds of responsibilities. And then layered onto all of that, uh, I, for many, many years I was in administration as department head. Uh, so that took a big chunk of my day. Uh, I don't do that anymore, so I don't have to worry about that. Wow, it sounds like you stay very busy. I stay busy, and it's as an as a person in academia, you wear many hats, you have many responsibilities, and your day is very varied. You do a lot of different things, so uh, it keeps it interesting. Absolutely, yeah. So you mentioned that you were writing a book. Mm -hmm. Would you mind telling me what what the book is on? Yeah, it's risk assessment for dummies, basically. <laughs> uh, not really. It is a book that is kind of. I suppose a manual, I don't think that's a, the right term, but it's a book that's written for the layperson to help them understand and make their own decisions as to whether some chemical that they know they're exposed to in daily life is a problem or not. Uh, we hear things about, for example, BPA in water bottles and leaching into the water, um, phthalate esters, all kinds of chemicals. And um, it leaves the general public kind of at a query as to, like, is everything bad for us? Uh, well, the answer is everything's potentially bad for you, but it's really a function of how much of it you're exposed to. And so I walk the average person sort of through the process, a lot of examples, um, and, and essentially give them strategies so that they can make rational decisions on their own. Wow, that sounds very interesting. I hope so. Do you have a title for your book yet? I do. Uh, I don't remember what it is, but it's something <laughs> like uh, demystifying risk associated with chemicals in the environment, or something like that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep our eyes open for it. <laughs> uh, let's see. So what, which direction would you advise NC State students to take when looking for research topics? <clears throat> I always tell my students that, or I should say my students, students that are entering my program who are in their first year as a graduate student, they're trying to figure out what their project should be, but it applies to undergrads as well. My advice is always not to focus on the topic, but focus on the mentor, the person that they'll be working with, that they'll be training with. More often than not, when a student comes in and says, I want to work on this, what that means is that the student has had some experience in their past on that topic, and they're comfortable with it, and so they want to continue that work. But 
The reality is we've got some 70 faculty members here in biological sciences. They're all doing really interesting things. Uh, there's no bad project in terms of topic. Um, so the key is finding a mentor that you really click with, someone that you, you feel with, that you can work with, that will uh, be dedicated to your success, and that you can have a great training experience with. And if you pick that right mentor, the resulting topic will be a great one. And uh, as I said, everything we're doing here, or anywhere else for that matter, is really interesting. And uh, it's, I think it's important that students take off the blinders with respect to projects and consider anything. Uh, but that, the guiding force should be the mentor. Yeah, very good advice. Thank you. Um, do you have any further advice for aspiring biological scientists or any parting words before we close? Well, let's see. I think for, for up-and-coming scientists, for aspiring scientists in biological sciences or anywhere else, I think it's really, really important that they strive to be scientifically literate. I, one of the things that oftentimes disappoints me when I'm teaching undergrads is how much they really don't know about current relevant things in our science. And, and the information's out there. So, you know, they should be reading science blogs. Um, they should be reading newspaper science articles. They should be current. They should be knowledgeable. And uh, the other aspect is that while we here in academia tend to focus on education, obviously, and making students, training students to be competent scientists, either at the bench or in the field. Uh, sometimes we neglect teaching students how to communicate their science. And if you can't communicate your science, you're wasting your time doing the science. So I think it's also important for students to take it upon themselves when they're educating themselves to be literate uh, that they're thinking about how to how is it a, a scientific thought communicated or orally how is it presented in a convincing manner and they work on that that they practice and they become scientifically good scientific communicators and I guess the last bit of advice would be just uh, approach the whole aspect of your training of your of your career with an open mind. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to challenge authority. Um, seek information that you need to reach your own decisions and make sure those decisions are based on the science and not on your gut feeling. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You're I appreciate welcome. you being on my podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time when I'll be speaking with Dr. Jeff Thorne in the Department of Biological Sciences. Stay curious!